0: Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is the Downtime Podcast where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. Just a few quick things before we get stuck into this week's episode. If you've been getting something out of the podcast, then it would be awesome if you consider giving a little something to help the podcast keep going and growing. That could be as simple as recommending it to your riding buddies, sharing episodes on your social media, or setting up a small regular donation via my Patreon, which you'll find at patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks to Stefan who joined this week and to everyone who supports via Patreon already. You've helped me upgrade my travel recording equipment that I take to races and events as well as making some audio upgrades to my home studio setup too. Also, if you want to represent the podcast, then there's downtime t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies available over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. If you'd like a little more downtime in your life, then you can join my newsletter where I'll provide you with a bit of behind the scenes info on the podcast, interesting bits and pieces from around the mountain bike world, some mini reviews of products that I've been using and like, partner offers and more. You can do that over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter otherwise don't forget to follow the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode you can do that by hitting the button in your podcast app now or there's buttons for all the major platforms to help you over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow You can either listen to today's episode right here, or if you prefer to watch it, you can now do that over on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash at Downtime Podcast. I'll also stick a link to the video in the show notes over on my website, downtimepodcast.com. In fact, all the links for everything that I've mentioned here are in the show notes for this episode on downtimepodcast.com. This episode is supported by Bike Park Wales and we're going to be going behind the scenes as they turn 10 years old. The episode is also supported by Trek Bicycles who've been supporting Bike Park Wales since the very beginning. And if you're visiting the park then you can hire yourself a slash, a session or a rail and experience what they have to offer on Bike Park Wales' awesome trail network. So, as Bike Park Wales turns 10 years old, I got the chance to sit down with two of the founders, Martin Astley and Rowan Sorrell. We chat about where the idea came from and what it took to bring it to reality on a hillside in South Wales. Hear about the highs and lows of running the UK's biggest bike park, as well as finding out what they have planned for the next 10 years. These guys show what is possible when you believe in your idea and you never give up. So, without further ado, here's Martin and Rowan.
1: Martin Astley and Rowan Sorrell, welcome to the Downtime Podcast on a sunny day at Bike Park Wales. We're sat in the Bike Park Wales classroom, as it's called, um, and we're going to be talking all about the history of Bike Park Wales as you approach 10 years, which seems insane. I remember the first time I came here and it doesn't feel like uh, quite that long ago. But before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of the Bike Park, just start off by giving us a little bit of background on like what you two were up to before this what was your path before bike park wales and martin we'll we'll start with you
2: okay um so it's a really long story so i'll cut (laughs) cut it as short as i can um essentially i started i've been riding bikes like really been riding bikes since i was like a kid kid i used to go in the woods and send it on wherever i could find before I even knew what the word mountain biking was <clears throat> so I've been riding for a long long time got properly into mountain biking probably when I was about uh, 13 I would say and started racing roughly around that age so that's a long long time ago <laughs> how old are you now I'm 41 now okay <clears throat> so yeah so I've been riding bikes forever um and yeah my passion for mountain biking has just really guided like not just my career but kind of my life really since then so at university I studied zoology um okay and Sort of dabbled with a career in that after uni. What um, what
1: is a career in zoology? So
2: not a zookeeper. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, zoology is basically animal biology, um, and I was actually an ecologist for a little while. Okay, um, but I I literally like had an epiphany and was just sitting in front of a computer one day and was just like, "This is not what I want to <laughs> spend my life doing." I was probably like twenty three or something like that at the time, um, and quit my job, uh, went to Canada uh worked for whistler mountain bike park and for kona out there as i uh, did some stuff for new order sort of films like building um some of the stunts for their videos uh, cool and kind of one thing led to another and ended up coming back to the uk and having a career in predominantly like marketing and brand management in okay the, in the bike industry
1: yeah you worked at some of the bigger distributors yeah. in the uk and
2: yeah yeah and kind of managed you know uh troy lee intense yeah Pierre, various brands over the years uh, and just got really ex- good exposure to the to the industry that way and um, okay. kind of at some point along that line rowan and i uh met i think it was 2004
1: we met. yeah 2004 yeah. go on then rowan give us a bit of background from your side
3: yeah sure um i've grown up in mm-hmm. south wales uh just outside of newport and yeah kind of got like like mine always rode bikes so I always like was a kid playing on a bike in the street but didn't know it was a sport (laughs) yeah such like mountain biking um so yeah probably got into it when I was about 15 I Uh think like seriously um kid in school brought in an MBUK and said they're going to race and I thought oh go along have a look um did that went along, did the race. It was a cross-country race back then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did like two or three of those, like really liked it straight away. Um, but it was only like probably three or four months later, um, someone said about a downhill race and that was, you know, that was a changing <laughs> moment for me doing a downhill race and just being like, oh my God, this is the best thing I could possibly <laughs> do. And it's all I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I kind of remember that vividly. Um. Yeah, and then after um after school, I like I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I uh-huh. just wanted to ride my bike, you know, and hadn't quite figured out where it was gonna take me at that point in time. Um went out to the Alps, I think when I was like pretty young, about twenty, and and, mm-hmm. and again that was like eye opening moment, just why is it so different when you go to france to like what we have here yeah like we were pushing our bikes up hills here and sitting in the back of cattle lorries <laughs> at a downhill race and you go out to france you've got all these ski lifts and all these amazing trails so yeah i guess we were sort of planting a seed and uh, me and martin then came together in yeah 2004 um was that through racing or how did you meet No, it's through like mutual friend contact. So Duncan Ferris and um, Phil Saxena. Okay. So Phil is owner of um, Velo Solutions UK. Yeah. But I met him when I was up at um, Leeds in uni. And we, uh, yeah, we worked together on the first four cross track at Fort William. Uh, So like 2001, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that was my first sort of dabble, if you like, of designing something or, yeah. you know, working on my back track and yeah, again, sort of planted a seed. I knew I enjoyed it, but uh-huh. didn't know like kind of where, what, what could happen from there. And then, yeah, the come, come Calm project was, was a funny one really. Cause it all came, I think it sort of came together at the last minute for all of us. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I was working at Mojo suspension oh, yeah. okay. in, and they were based yeah. in Risca then, um, which was great. I um, I was working for Chris Porter, um, and he was like awesome, really supportive, of of me and and all of his team. But you were just working in like a small unit, like rebuilding shocks. And uh, I remember he said like afterwards, after, you were a bit like a caged animal. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I can't did, even imagine you did. That <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, he, he, like I didn't know what I wanted to do, but yeah. I, I just know I had like this driving passion for bikes and didn't know where it's going to take me. And then, um. Through being at Mojo, I heard about, um, Kum Khan downhill track being a proposed project uh-huh. and, um, the people who were building the cross country trails at like the trail centers at the time in Wales, like Cody Brennan and Argoid, uh, they were going to be building it and they were going to be building it kind of what felt to us like on our doorstep. Yeah. And I was thinking, why is a cross country like team come in to build a downhill track? So, um, yeah, that was going on. And then all of a sudden we heard the project was off because they didn't have enough funding to do the project and they didn't have a team to build it. The team had pulled out. Um so Chris Porter stepped in and sponsored it. He I said, like, I'll I'll back this project. I want it to go ahead. It's it's close to Mojo. Um and I phoned the Peter Cloak, who's a guy in the forestry at the time who was like mani- managing that project, and said, like, you do realize there's other people who could deliver this. Yeah. Um, so I linked him with Phil Saxena, who, um, whose company then was full contact. And then that's how we all came into it. Um, I had to quit my job to do it, <laughs> which was scary. scary. Like I just got a mortgage on a house in Riska, yeah. first house. Um, and I think it was like two months later this came up, but yeah, a lot of deliberating, but you know, it just felt like there was an opportunity there and something I wanted to be involved with. And I'm pretty sure you left a job to do it as well. I <laughs> Is was, <that> right?
2: <clears throat> I just graduated from uni and I'd been laboring on a building site. <clears throat> so I was literally laboring and yeah, project came up and through chatting with Dunk Ferris, you know, I was like, man, can, I, can I get involved in that? Like I definitely want to be involved. And yeah, luckily it, it worked out. Phil, Phil offered me a job. I quit my job laboring and turned up and we met in the car park at Kum Khan in september or whatever it was that year
3: yeah yeah so that i guess that was like the our first exposure to like uh you know a project yeah. like of that nature because at its time it was quite a big project it was the first permanent uplift in the mm-hmm. uk i think um but it was short-lived you know the project was five months and we were in and done yeah um but i didn't have a job to go back to <laughs> uh so Yeah, fortunately, managed to um, set up a little contract then with the forestry, doing trail building, Mm -hmm. uh, working just in South Wales, um, Avon and Kum Khan. And then, yeah, went on to set up a a company where we traveled around building trails. Um, And Martin was away in Canada. We kept in touch. And I actually, I don't know if you remember, I pulled you in to give me like, a second opinion, I think was probably the best way of putting it, like, so, um, on, uh, have you heard of Gaunt, Gorton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was a pro- one of the first, like, projects I did under the trail building company that was, like, almost like a mini bike park, I mm-hmm. suppose, and I knew Martin had been out in Canada, and, like, riding, working <laughs> in Whistler, experiencing all of that, so, um, yeah, I, knew, I got his input, and then... I just remember we rode it afterwards. Yeah. Um must be like 6 months or a year later when it's actually built and both through our different experiences at that time we like we need to try and make this happen in mm. South Wales. Yeah. Why South Wales? Is that is it because you were from this area or? I think it was a fact it's a factor for me yeah. but but I think the main thing is like we both had an understanding through travelling other places abroad that you had to have like first of all, you got to have the hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need the topography, and you have got to have the catchment. Like if you haven't, like the reason Whistler is so good is it's it's really close to Vancouver. So yeah, we, kind of- you know they've got like a a market which is really close to them. So we we always felt like South Wales was going to be somewhere where there were enough people close that you know it 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 didn't have to be. You try and do it in the you know in the very far end of the country, then. It's got to be absolutely spectacular to get off the ground. Yeah. Whereas, fair. you know, you want to be able to, like, build momentum.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, because you're only, what, an hour from Bristol here? Yeah, and,
2: and that, that is a huge factor. And to be honest, like, I don't think we actually even discussed the concept of doing it anywhere other than South Wales. It just was no. the natural. Yeah. We, we sort of started a big search, didn't we? And we I remember driving around in Anna, who's now my wife's little purple fiesta, like, all over the forestry blocks in South Wales, <laughs> just, like, up and down fire roads trying to find... Sites that would and wouldn't work, and sort of shortlisting, really.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and interestingly, like actually, Gethin, where where we've ended up was was probably not like at the top of our list. Then uh-huh. um, I'm so pleased this is where we did it. Mm. I think it's it's absolutely the right site, but it's 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 like a journey that you go through, and we were learning all the way. But yeah, we we went, we spent a lot of time going out and scoping things around South Wales.
1: Yeah, fair play. So, what was it that you wanted to achieve there, Mike? Can you give us like a what was the vision at yeah. that point? Like, because the scale yeah. that you're at now is insane. But I'm interested yeah. in kind of what you set out to achieve from the start.
2: Sure, and I think that's probably what made what we did different to what existed before. Um, and what we did at the time was completely like revolutionary as maybe a too big a word, but it was the first time it had been done like this anywhere in the world. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so not just in the UK. Like the scale in which we. Uh, undertook this project from day one with the facilities, the number of trails, the uplift. It just hadn't been done anywhere. So what we were trying to do was essentially create a year-round mountain bike resort is probably the word. So you know, we'd seen in New Zealand, Canada, the Alps, like what can be achieved and some places that had done it really well and some places that had bits that were good and bits that weren't good. We basically just wanted to pull together like all the best bits of what we'd seen and put them together in one location where it was designed from the ground up for mountain bikes. So uh-huh. it wasn't like a winter operation that had been switched over to sort of try and make a bit of money in the summer, but the whole thing had been designed with mountain biking in in mind and with like good quality facilities. Although when we started this project, our vision was definitely like a small wooden hut with ticket sales from it and not, not what you see today. Yeah. Um, but we kind of, we ended up going down a journey where um, so that the government got really behind the project. It was it was actually a pretty horrendous period getting, getting that all off the ground. It took us four years of like full time nailing it to, to get yeah. this place off the ground. Um, and our vision changed a lot during that period, I think.
3: Yeah, it did, yeah. I mean, one of the things like looking back is, and it's easy to forget this, like is we actually started out, we were going to do an out and out downhill centre. So okay. when we first started, working on the concept that was the direction. So smaller scale facilities and, and like a set of six or eight downhill runs. Cause you know, we both had downhill background and kind of initially felt that's where we were gonna go. But yeah, as I say, because it took like three or four years before we actually got to a point where we really had to nail down the final plan. Yeah. We just, it evolved didn't it? And we realized like the, the time was just right because trail bikes weren't very good at the start <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. They've, they've really like now they're incredible yeah so we were just at a point where the technology was getting way better so bikes were way more capable and you could actually ride them down downhill trails which you, you know you'd struggle to have done that before sure, Yeah, and I think on top of that trail centers had kind of had this huge upsurge and brought loads of people into the sport but they kind of like petered out, you know, they hadn't evolved with that bike technology mm. and rider skill sets. Yeah. So all of a sudden you had people who had got into mountain biking, they'd ridden trail centers and they were looking for like that next thing, but they didn't necessarily want to throw themselves down Riola or Fort William. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Um, so it's like a combination of the bikes improving and that's just realizing we should do it for trail bikes because that's going to bring so many more people into the sport and into the bike park ultimately. Yeah. So,
1: cause it feels like bike park Wales in its current guise anyway, is a real strong kind of entry point into the sport for a lot of people these days. It's probably like the, for a lot of people coming into mountain biking, the first uplifted bike park they go to in the UK is going to be here. Yeah. Was that not kind of necessarily the original vision? It was maybe a higher end, yeah, like more like people at the very more like yourselves. Yeah.
2: You know, we were like, you know, kind of early to mid twenties and down and riding downhill and that's not on your mind right you just yeah, want yeah. To send, you just want to send it when you're that age <laughs> yeah so yeah the first vision was just just a fairly traditional downhill site yeah but i think like really from an early very early stage we wanted it to be super inclusive mm-hmm. um and we always wanted it to offer everything from kind of the beginner mountain bike through to the expert mountain bike and that's really been in our dna ever since then is that we want to be a pretty broad church you know we really want to be as inclusive as we possibly can and i yeah. you know you're here today and you can see how many kids are here and how many families are here and yeah it's amazing it's awesome it's like it, these days now i'm 41 that's one of the things that excites me more than anything is seeing the new people in the sport and like our office is just at the end of the green trail and just hearing people when they come <laughs> down it is is so cool to just like uh experience people catching the buzz of the sport you know the sport has given given all of us so much it's so cool to see see people get hooked on it but that's not to say that the other end isn't important and i and i think in our our next phase that's definitely going to be a big part of it is that we still ride a lot we're still super passionate about it and we still want you know challenging trails to ride for ourselves so there's still plenty of that as well.
1: Interesting yeah we came a few weekends back with like old uni mates and everyone pretty much has got kids now of varying ages so some of the older kids came with us I guess the youngest was probably like nine or something up to about 17 and it was so cool like it's something for everyone everyone was having a good time yeah fair play it's 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 cool for that. It's
2: been one of the the most rewarding parts like for me I've got two boys who are five and six Uh and they're both kind of getting into riding now and riding here with them that's been like really because my my wife who was also kind of having explained that bit but (laughs) our wives also became heavily involved in the business very very early on um and became directors and kind of helped us found the business really um but yeah so anna my wife um she's a a big rider as well and yeah we get to ride here with the kids and that's that's pretty cool yeah Yeah. that is amazing
1: and you know you there are a lot of trails on the hill now we'll talk about that in a bit but You didn't open with like one or two trails like a lot of bike parts do. You went kind of fairly big from what I remember early on. I'm guessing that comes with a significant amount of investment required. Like alongside finding a venue, which is, you know, you ended up here in Gethin. But what other things did you have to get done to bring in investment to get, I guess, brands on board to support? There must have been a huge amount of work in that four years that wasn't just like stuff like health and safety in business. Yeah. There's a huge amount of It was do, a right? massive
2: challenge. And like obviously there was no blueprint. We, we didn't even have like a business that we could look at to try and work out what, what do we think <laughs> they needed to do to do this. So that like kind of everything we've had to do in this business all the way through, we've had to invent it as we've gone. Um, so yeah, obviously we had to raise money. Uh, <clears throat> and we came into this as, you know, normal people. We didn't have trust funds or anything like that <laughs> behind us. You know, we didn't have loads of money, so we needed to raise it. Um and I don't know whether we were lucky or uh the timing was right or what but we actually didn't have anybody say no to us when we went to them for funding for real yeah not a single person said that's, no. In, that is pretty honest yeah, and
3: that that includes like private individuals yeah, yeah. um companies and sponsors banks. and yeah and yeah. then like banks yeah and
2: wow vendors. um so yeah I don't I don't know what it was um in particular but yeah we we borrowed money we took investment We borrowed money from a bank and from a private individual. And we've got, got to shout out. Yeah. All of those people and sponsors. Cause like, I basically like wrote this document, which your dad put into a graphic design for us. (laughs) And I basically went around cap in hand at bike shows, you know, phoning industry contacts and just sold the dream basically. And I was like, this is what we're doing. Love you to be involved. And we had pretty good reception really. And like, you know, Chris Porter deserves a mention again, I think as well, because he, uh-huh. he like put his hand pretty deep in his pocket and, and backed it, as did a couple of other, you know, Hugh, local businessmen got yeah. behind it. Um, yeah.
3: Yeah, and then we were, we were fortunate to, um, to meet Ian as well. Um, so Ian runs Bike Bikeway in the Forest of Dean. And, uh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of a, almost like a chance meeting. We were, we were struggling to put together the final pieces of the jigsaw that were going to get us over the line to, yeah. to start this project. And, um, yeah, through a conversation with him, uh, he 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 liked what we proposed. And, yeah, and he took a massive risk in us and, and backed us. And, uh, yeah, he, he really did help us um, on our way.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Was there government support? Because we're in an area here that used to be like coal mining the valleys of South Wales that, have struggled, I guess, ever since yeah. um, to kind of regenerate. Was there support yeah, there to was. build a business here because of that?
2: Yeah, again, it's kind of a long story, but sort of our idea and our concept came first. So we sort of approached um, what was then Forestry Commission Wales and the local authority with the concept. But in the meantime, there was kind of work going on behind the scenes where there was a, a sort of appetite to build a, they were calling it a centre of excellence at uh-huh. that time for mountain biking in South Wales as part of, Cognation, which was a much bigger investment in mountain biking in South Wales, it invested at Avon and Comcar and various other places and this was part of it. Um, So we did get a a fairly significant grant which went towards getting the project off the ground, which was fantastic and it could not have happened without it at this scale, but it certainly came with its headaches.
1: (laughs) Yeah, whenever you get government funding, it seems like a good thing on the surface, but... Normally and it a lot kind of, of requirements that come with it. It kind right? of
2: fed the beast a little bit as well because it, it meant that our project had to grow. Like it, okay. our vision was kind <clears> of forced <throat> to grow by the fact that this grant money was coming in. It went into a competitive tender process. So we were kind of thrown into the pool against a bunch of other people, many of whom had significantly more money than us. Right. Uh, and bigger teams. And we were like, we've got to push, push, push to offer the biggest, best thing we possibly yeah. can.
3: Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I can... we remember that period well it was like just because it was pushing us so far out of our comfort zone um but it but it i guess it did what it it should have done you know it pushed us to make this place bigger and better from the outset um and and it probably wouldn't have been if it hadn't been for the way that process was run and you know that grant money being available
1: that's cool and then you've got to put together this team to execute right so you've got money you've got everything signed off then you need trail builders. You need like people to run the sign on. You need infrastructure, website, drivers, up this, all this kind of stuff. Like it must have been. Yeah, it was carnage,
2: and we were <laughs> we were working full time as well. We had other jobs. Are you so, okay? You were still yeah, in other yeah. jobs. Yeah, yeah. Like I had a full time job until the fourth or fifth year of operation. No so way. So I only quit a full time job six years ago. Okay. And then I worked part time in another job until three and a half, four years ago. Right. Um so yeah, in those initial setup years, it was like dawn till dusk every day, managing phone calls for one job, trying to sort out bank loans, <laughs> getting buildings built, trying to work out operational plans, you were on site having an absolute nightmare building the trails. <laughs> it was absolute carnage. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it was a crazy period. Um so Anna and Liz um are partners and now wives, that they were both working in the business full time when we launched, um, but they only sort of phased into that. So uh-huh. yeah, we had a long period where we were all just juggling two jobs, uh, and then I managed. I was working on the project for the construction phase yeah, through yeah. the trail building company, um, and then yeah, we both sort of went back to our day jobs and were trying to figure it all out. And it, it did <laughs> take, you know, it took it took quite a few years to for everything to settle down and us to kind of get a structure that really worked. But yeah. um yeah, those early days of trying to get the right team and and we started with a really small team. I think that's that's probably worth mentioning as well. I think when we opened we had from memory, I think it was twelve employees and it was, de- it was twelve directives. including us. Okay. So it was yeah. eight employees. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we're
2: now at ninety six. So it's Whew. quite a so it's kinda hard difference. to believe
3: because really, the it's, it's not proportional. that yeah, The change over yeah, the yeah. years is not proportional. We just were underprepared when we started.
2: We really were. I actually remember the day we opened, um, it, there was like a queue of cars from here all the way down to the A470 roundabout because we were like signing people in with paper and all sorts of things <laughs> on the entrance. We had to get like our parents and our friends in because it was just too chaotic. And on we opened on a Saturday, I think. And on a Sunday, I had to go to Eurobike. So I was oh, here no. like signing people in until like... 2 p.m and then i was like i've got to go guys i've got to jump in the van and drive to germany and i just had to go and leave
1: them wow that's (laughs) insane it must have felt good though to have it finally open to see people riding and being in this like bike resort that you dreamed of so many years ago
3: yeah definitely that that first day was uh you know it's one something we'll never forget i think it was the the holy shit moment <laughs> It's like, <laughs> yeah, we're
1: actually doing this.
3: We're up and running. It's, it's mentally busy. Like we've got a load of things that don't work and we've got to fix them, but, yeah. but we're up and running, you know, there's people coming through the door and that's, that's a bit you never knew. So, um, yeah, we felt like we created a monster and we just had to like tame it and work out how to operate it then. <laughs> so yeah, the first, first six months were crazy, yeah. but, um, yeah, we just had to learn fast.
2: Yeah. It like it was kind of mixed. It was like a relief in that we knew okay, there's a business here. Yeah, people like it, want it, it to come. It can work. People yeah. want to come because we didn't even know that. You know, like, we really didn't know. We we thought they probably would, but we weren't sure. Yeah. Um, but then it was like, oh my god, actually more people want to come than we can <laughs> cope with, and, and we had been so focused on making the place ready that we hadn't had enough time to actually get it. Operationally ready, yeah, yeah. Um, like I remember the four of us sitting in the cafe at midnight the night before we opened and stacking the last drinks cans on the shelves and being like, Okay, I guess we're ready. <laughs> and then, yeah, we weren't really ready, <laughs> we were as uh, ready as we could have been. It's pretty
1: normal, I think. How many yeah. trails were there when you opened? Uh,
3: so it was 26 sections, yeah. 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 So we, yeah, you know, we made and we're now at like 46. Okay. Um, so yeah, we had a good, good offering from day one, and yeah. that was like really important. We, we actually you know collectively made a decision that you know that's why people come ultimately everything else helps and yeah. supports it you know you got to have a really good uplift you got to have a good cafe but you know they want to come and ride trails so we wanted to give enough variety in the grading mm-hmm. and also like in the style of trails so I think for where we were at that point in time you know there weren't a lot of other bike parks I think we really achieved that mm-hmm. and then we've Yeah, we've tried to keep that as our mantra, you know, always keep expanding and and growing the trail network.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that growth and how have you, how have you done it? How have you managed it and how have you decided what direction you want things to go in? Because yeah, if like bike park Wales today, there's a lot of similarities to bike park Wales 10 years ago, but it's, it feels like quite a different beast as well, really.
2: Yeah. We've been on quite, quite a journey, I guess. Um, And we've evolved, we've evolved as individuals. We've evolved as a company and we've evolved um as a product i guess as well and i think deciding what to do each time it's just like a collective process and it's it's kind of done on gut feeling isn't it it's like knowing the market knowing what people want being our own customers is a big part of it it's
3: being yeah exactly being in it you 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 can feel it i sometimes think you know we're out there riding all other venues and we travel a lot and so we're picking up like what's going on around the world a lot of the time or trying to. And, and then, yeah, just kind of feeling like, where's, where are we missing something? You know, whether that be trails or in uh, facilities around here and the experience and yeah. And then it's just, we, we work it through collectively discuss it and then put together like a development plan. It's good that we're a private company and we can react fast and we're still quite a small company, so we can do things quickly, but there's still a lot of planning and, um, consents uh, and things that sit behind all of that so sometimes yeah. you know our plans might take two or three years to actually you know from when we first discuss it till we can put it on the ground uh-huh.
2: and our, our business model is is kind of one of continual reinvestment like we never got into this because we wanted to be millionaires we just did it because we thought it was a good idea and we kind of <laughs> wanted to do it so we've like really heavily reinvested in the business for the whole 10 years and I think um, sometimes the outside world because we've ended up with these really nice buildings and later of trails and I was like oh those guys are coining it <laughs> and actually someone told me the other day they were at a pump track in the southeast and they said oh you know Rowan from Ways. he he makes two million a year <laughs> so, <laughs> that'd be nice yeah that'd be alright nice, right, wouldn't it yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah the model is really just like keeping the money going back into the business and just kind of making it better and better yeah uh, all the time and it's meant that we have travelled from where we were ten years ago to where we are now and yeah, we're not done
1: yet.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I think we we ride a lot. You know, we're, we we're both still like really passionate riders, and um, yeah, it's, it's I I think we've got a pretty good finger on the pulse. You know, so if we're excited about something and we want to do something, and our team are, then hopefully that translates, you know, into our customers. Yeah,
1: definitely. And one of the biggest changes that I've seen here, I guess, in the last ten years, is the area around the car park the sign-on we've got this separate sign-on building that didn't used to be there mm-hmm. but also when you say resort that it really does now have that feeling like all the outside seating areas like loads of different spaces fire pits the fact that there's beers available like people seem to genuinely want to hang around here like they'll finish riding but hang around chatting with their mates and sitting in deck chairs and that's good to around hear, around a fire that's pit.
2: been a big focus for us particularly in the last year like we've that's actually been a specific focus was really making that it's kind of one of the aspects that was quite good before, but we were like, we just really want to nail that a bit better. So
3: yeah, definitely being a concerted effort. And um, it's also like the analogy of a resort is is something that we have used from, from before day one. Yeah. So if we were talking to the the council or the forestry, we had to give them something that was tangible that they could understand because we couldn't say like, look at this bike park. So we'd use, Ski resort model and, and that was always what we wanted was to bring together all those facilities. So you had like a complete experience. Yeah. You know, people come for the trails, but hopefully, you know, they stay for the food and the drink and you give them a nice
1: environment to, to chill out in yeah definitely and i guess it's like it must be helping the local area right what are the numbers now like how many people would you have here over a weekend these days so we get it's pretty variable across the year but we get about a hundred thousand riders a year so it's, okay. it's
2: quite significant like not just for the area but actually nationally in wales like yeah. as, a, as a tourist attraction now it's it's nationally important and kind of locally and for the economy you know restaurants hotels airbnbs have been massively impacted by it you yeah know, we we're pretty um well connected with the local authority and the local community and the the impact of the business has been really significant in the local area like i don't know the number anymore but you're talking 60 plus um accommodation businesses that have started off the back of it wow it's a lot yeah that's really cool yeah so a lot of jobs
1: yeah definitely and as it's grown you know there's the challenges of dealing with all these extra people and it's probably some of the less glossy stuff but like Growing car parking space, sorting out enough uplifts, all that kind of stuff. That must have brought some challenges and headaches along the way, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think those are probably the aspects that we enjoy the least would be fair to say. <laughs> well but, you're you're riders, right? You're yeah, not like... Exactly, yeah. We're kind of reluctant businessmen, I think. Um <laughs> Yeah, they're the hardest things, but they're so important as well. Like You've you've got to get them right. And as Rowan alluded earlier, it's not always just a case of, right, we need to build a bike park, let's raise the money and do it. There's a lot of red tape, like an awful lot, and you've got to go through the planning process and get consent from landlords and ecology, and And it just takes a really long time. Um, So we have got better at it over the years, and we now have a a master plan, which is like a very official-sounding thing, (laughs) Um, but it takes us through several years of development. Um, and that's got planning permission and it means that it's much easier for us to okay. um, sort of chip away at things like additional car parkings already got um, planning approval. Uh-huh. Um, so we've got better at planning it. Um, and then, yeah, the the sort of people side of it. Yeah. With 96 people, it means you've got to be structured like a proper company. You need to have HR. Um, you've got to have like an accounts department. It's not just one person now. I think there's five people in the accounts mm-hmm. department.
3: Um, Health and safety. Yeah. 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 Um, that's something we always manage in-house, but we've actually got a dedicated officer now. Uh, okay. It's quite a risk risky activity. Not so much the riding, like yeah. that's understood, um, but obviously we, we effectively operate like a mini construction team with the trail crew and, yeah. and we've got a, a bus company operating on the hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's there's lots of room for things to
1: go wrong. Yeah. yeah,
2: health and safety, probably. Well, not even probably. It's definitely what Rowan and I spend the most of our time talking about. Like, I wish it was glossy stuff and trails, but it's not. It's health and safety. Yeah, um, you know we've got a massive responsibility to our riders, and it is a risky sport. Um, and it, you know you can't you can't remove that risk, but you know we've got a duty of care to everybody, and we 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 take it very seriously that we have to make it as safe as we can while still keeping it as mountain biking yeah um, it's a tricky balance right it's re- it's
3: really tough yeah yeah it's tr- it's trying to create an environment where people can take part in a in a risky activity you know in the safest way possible so yeah. like everything around that activity we try and manage quite carefully and we try and make sure we give people like plenty of information so they can make informed decisions yeah but ultimately mountain biking is mountain biking and you know people make their own choices of how far they push themselves for sure yeah. yeah and that's that's difficult like when you go out and ride with your friends it's it you know that one of you could get hurt when you're out riding but um yeah it's diff- different when you bring it into like the business environment it's um something you got to get used to is the fact that people come and they're coming for fun you know they're coming to have a smile on their face and sometimes they're going <laughs> off with a broken collar yes or,
1: not so yeah. much fun at that yeah. point
3: yeah. So yeah. without a doubt the worst The worst part of the job for me is is
2: riders getting hurt you know no nobody wants to see riders getting hurt and yeah even when you do absolutely everything you can to try and control it it's um ultimately there are uncontrollable aspects of our
1: sport for sure yeah it's going to happen isn't it how how many people are on that trail crew both building and maintenance these days and how do you look at that like balance between maintenance and continually building stuff because you've got to do both right yeah, sure. That that's our plan, you know. Is and we
3: have create over time. We've slowly built up the team so that we we can achieve that. So we've now got ten, okay, uh, ten people within the team, and they look after the, all of the trail network. They look after the uplift road as well, okay, um, and then they'll work on like new projects, whether that's revamp of an existing trail or or a complete new project. So yeah, it's taken time to get there. Uh, we started off with two trail crew uh one quad and <laughs> yeah. one digger, and then we'd sub in if we're building a new trail we' bring in a subcontractor yeah um and now we have yeah as I say ten people uh four digger, five diggers and I think like four quads or side by yeah. side so you know you you've got to resource that team so they can do the job yeah it's the whole site it's like two thousand acres the the bit that we mainly operate in is a thousand acres. Uh-huh. So you can imagine like these guys are spread all over the hill working. So yeah, we've got a good system. We've got some uh, really good people in the team as well. And uh, yeah, it's great. You know, yeah. What, like what we're able to do now through upskilling them over time. Um, it's amazing. You know, they, they can build some, awesome trails yeah
1: and it feels well well maintained as well like some bike parks get hammering and this more than any ever anyone else i think like hundred thousand people a year is a lot of tires a lot of braking
2: yeah yeah the guys do an amazing job like it's and it's a challenging hill to look after as well like we've got really variable soil types in the winter you know the weather's not the best um there are areas where it's extremely wet and it's really difficult to manage this hill but yeah the guys have learned over the years how to do a great job with water management, the materials that work, the materials that don't work. Yeah. Um, and actually like we feel this place rides the best in the wet. Okay, interesting.
3: Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And I think in terms of like the standard of that maintenance, it is like a non-negotiable from day one. Um prior to that I was doing some inspection work for the forestry and so I was kind of familiar with how they manage their trails. Um but they just didn't have the resource, you know, you could yeah. identify all this work, but actually to stay on top of it is, is a big challenge. So our business model from day one was all about how you, you pay to ride here and you reinvest that money into maintaining that standard. Yeah. You know, if, we, we're, if those standards are dropping, then we're not doing our job well. Yeah, from,
2: you, d- from day one, we used to say that every penny of selling like um, ride passes, pedal passes was reinvested. Back into the trails, but we've kind of blown that way out of the water. Now we spend way more than
1: we take in uh, in pedal passes on trail trail building. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, would you say the way you build trails has evolved over the time that you've been doing it? Like, have you learned? Have you changed your kind of style? Or, um, yeah, I think there's there's a natural
3: sort of evolution mm-hmm. with anything through experience. Um, but the style that we started with was is, is about. Like what I, when I speak to the team, I say, our trails are all about momentum and flow. So even if they're technical, like we, we label a lot of our trails, technical trails, you've got to be able to find the flow on them. So oh. we, we don't tend to build janky trails. Okay. So I think that's you know, part of the experience of Bike Park Wales. Um, we've learned a lot about the geology of the hill over time. And that really helps like when we're planning a trail, like knowing where the ground is good, where the ground is bad. Yeah. Or sometimes you need to like win some material to use to shore up an area. So that, that's been a continual learning experience. Um, yeah. And just, just the evolution of, of, of riding both in terms of what other people are doing elsewhere and us experiencing that and wanting to bring a bit of that to the park and, and ideas our team have, Yeah, you know, giving them the opportunity to
1: use their creativity. Nice. And you know 10 years on there's there is more competition out there there are more bike parts in the uk than there ever has been i think have you felt the impact of that there and how do you, how do you think about the competitive element of this because there are now more places for people to go and ride
2: yeah um i think we kind of like each time you hear whispers about a new place you're kind of like okay what's this going to be and what's it going to mean for us um but i think that in wales let's sort of talk about wales because that's kind of the most relevance is where most of the bike parks are and it's our locality yeah. we've got a pretty good ecosystem of bike parks and I feel like we all specialize in our own particular thing and I think it actually works really well Um and like I don't feel like we've been particularly cannibalized by anyone else and Hopefully we complement each other and we know for a fact that a lot of people will come and stay and they'll do a day here and they might do a day at Dirt Farm and they might go and do a day at Forest of Dean or whatever. Yeah, like and I think part tour of, yeah, the, of Wales. Yeah. And <laughs> in North Wales they've got a similar thing. Like I was just telling you before this, I'm going to Derby on Friday and then on Saturday I'm going to Anter, and you can do a similar thing up there. So I think like it, we all have sort of specialised in a certain thing really and, and it's really good that way that we complement one another.
3: Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. I think it's easy from the outside; it'd be easy for someone to say, "Oh, you guys are all in competition with each other," but it's not at all. You know, it's. Uh, I think we're complementary, and I think collectively, within Wales, we're growing that sport, and that's just bringing more people into it. Yeah,
2: uh, we've so. actually got like a really good working relationship with them as well. Particularly during COVID, when we were all on, on our on our knees, um, we kind of grouped together really well, and. Um, we've kind of dropped it a little bit recently, but we were having kind of fairly regular catch-ups as a team, partly to just support one another, but also to try and sort of share ideas on how we can move the sport forward. Um, And that's something we'll definitely continue doing because I think it's really useful.
1: Yeah, definitely using the power of that combined group. I was going to ask about highs and lows, and I guess COVID must be one of the lows um, effectively shutting down all the bike parks in the UK. Like how was that for you guys? How risky was it? I don't know how things work financially in that instance. Uh, yeah, I,
3: I think it's fair to say that's probably the lowest
1: moment since we've been operating. It's
3: been super difficult and I've got to take my hat off to Martin because he steered the ship through what was a horrendous time, I'd say. Like we really, really did not, know how uh, like like anyone we, yeah, you know, we didn't yeah. know how it's gonna unfold we didn't know uh how long we wouldn't have customers whether we had any form of income we obviously we had a massive payroll with a lot of staff and um yeah it was genuinely like scary and we would catch up daily um all through that like we didn't have a day off through covid um and yeah i'll, I'll let Ma- martin tell you his experience but yeah he he did an amazing job of keeping this business
1: afloat yeah yeah because you're responsible at that point for a yeah. lot of stuff right
2: yeah that was the hard bit was like it wasn't just us you know it was the team um so it's definitely the hardest time in my career but probably the, the time i'm the proudest of as well because okay. like we we did a good job as a team like we got through it uh with the, the smallest amount of damages we could have got away with um yeah it was it was incredibly tough like just before we went into lockdown, basically people stopped booking like done, you know, tap switched off, nothing coming in, everything going out. Um, and just like, shit, like what on earth happens now? Yeah. Um, cause keeping this place, keeping the lights on is very expensive these days. You know, it's hundreds of thousands a month just to keep the lights on. Yeah. Uh, and when all of a sudden nothing's coming in, that's a big panic.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but yeah, we just kind of hustled our way through it and um did everything we could to support the team. Um our customers were amazing. Like yeah, so many people were like, I've got a booking with you, but I'll leave it there and I'll I'll pick it up when you're open again. And like that was a huge help for us. Welsh government support was important. Yeah. Obviously the furlough scheme, like that was an absolute lifesaver. We wouldn't have made it. Would not have made it without that. So it was it was life or death yeah. like it was was really close and it just dragged on and on as well because we here in Merthyr, we were caught by every possible lockdown we had our own Merthyr specific lockdowns we had oh, welsh really? lockdowns when england wasn't in a lockdown <laughs> oh, no and then we had periods where wales was open but england wasn't and most of our customers come across the board from england yeah. so we just got caught in the crossfire of everything um so we were completely closed for 10 months in total um and uh yeah it definitely has left its scars still um but we bounced back really strong afterwards like again customers just amazing like when we came out of it they were just i can't wait to get back and it was just yeah i remember the day when we opened and the site was busy again it was just like wow because this place was like a ghost town it was so weird yeah as i
3: say it's such a strange time because we we spent a lot of time on site so we we kept some of the trail team working right throughout um just you know fixing things up and trying to trying to do what we could to freshen the site you know to make sure that when we reopened there was like that surge. Yeah, buzz, yeah. yeah. um but it just felt so um it's just so strange you know seeing the site with no one here there'd be like five people on site yeah so yeah to see it back to to normal and and full of people and buzzing was was brilliant yeah good to have it, it actually back hit up it a running. really
2: bad time as well this building we're sitting in now was half built when covid hit so we had you know builders on site spending loads of money on building this new building so like our our reserves were lower than they would typically be as well And i just had to have a meeting with the builders and be like sorry guys like i think you should stop now we'll pay you for everything you've done and we'll give you a call when we're ready and they came back like 18 months later or something when when they finally could and um finished the job off
1: crazy have there been other lows along the way then there's definitely
2: been bumps in the road (laughs) i think that's the biggest one but uh, it's it's an incredibly challenging business to run, but you just can't predict what's coming next. Whether it's storms, fires, floods, <laughs> HR crises, you name it. We haven't had locusts yet, but I'm sure it will happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky one. Eh? But some yeah. highs, yeah, yeah. What stands out for you? Obviously, there's that original opening day, but have there been other pieces throughout the last ten years that really stand out in your memories? For me
2: uh, sharing it with my kids. Yeah, definitely. That's a a, a really big high. And then like, like just loving it. And like, you know, I was putting one of my kids, one of my kids to bed the other night and he's like, am I going to be the boss of bike? So, (laughs) (laughs) um, so yeah, that's been cool. And I think for me, the other one is just like getting to ride with loads of interesting people and, um, you know, idols here over the years has been cool.
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, we're massively into sport we you know we're fanboys ourselves so it like to have all all the people who've been through the doors it, it's been awesome um the legends edit we did with oh, that, uh, was like so PT good. Warner, that was that was a good time will and pagey you know they're all class acts and, yeah yeah to have them here was great and then you know right through to the new school like having cade at the Vantage jam and jordan williams came and did our race not a race you know so it's been really cool to kind of see that high end but the other high I think is, you know, you do have those, they don't come often enough probably, but you know, you just have those like moments of reflection when you're kind of walking outside and you just see the buzz is happening at the end of the day. And you're kind of looking at the mix of people there and thinking we've created those smiles. Like I think that that's probably the most enjoyable aspect of it.
1: Yeah, that's very special. Tell us a bit about Vanta. So that was a line that was designed by Laurie Greenland and the crew here, right? Yeah, it was a a collaboration between uh, Laurie and
3: Duncan Ferris. Okay. And Red
2: Bull. Got to give them a shout out.
3: Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Red Bull kind of had the brainchild. Um, Yeah. We had the line. It's a line that um, I plotted out years ago. Uh, We didn't know exactly what we were going to use it for. Like the idea was it would be a pro line. Okay. And then we realized we could use it for this Red Bull project. Dunk had a load of ideas which he had in his head for for years and been looking for an opportunity yeah um to get them out there and then Laurie came in and and yeah you know he added the sort of polish to it so those two work together really well
1: and then you've had vantage Am for the last two years is it it's been right yeah
2: now.
3: two two years now
2: um and that's been really fun like it's the concept was just we were like well, we've got this trail now we've done a launch of it with Laurie, and then kind of what next and Um, the vision to have just a loose jam was the first start of it. There was Mm -hmm. no event planned around it. It was just kind of a jam and it grew from there. And then it grew again this year and the riders who come each year get better and better. And the format's changed a bit. We've now got prize money and um, it's still, it will never become, you know, a crankworks or a super rigid event. The whole sort of point of it is that it's loose and, um, you know, it'll always be a jam. Um, but yeah, we want to keep keep evolving that and uh, yeah, kind of celebrating the trail really.
1: And it brings in a good crowd, right? You had quite a lot of people come in to spectate and hang out for the evening.
2: Yeah, I think we had 1500 people this year and it was on a Tuesday. So that's <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty insane, good.
1: isn't yeah. it? How important then are, are people like Red Bull and Fox? I think also help support that. Like you have the logos on the vans of a lot of these brands. Like is that a big part of keeping yeah. this thing going?
2: Yeah, it is. It's a massive part, and it has been since day one, really. Like um, especially in the early years, like because we explained earlier, we had to borrow a load of money to to get this place off the ground, and that means that, that money has to be repaid, right? So for the first five years, we had that around our neck. Um, And sponsors definitely helped us keep the place running. Yeah. Um, And they remain really important today. And we're really lucky with the partners that we've got. And, you know, some of them we've had for 10 years. You know, we've been with Trek for 10 years, Shimano, MBUK. And in our industry, that's pretty rare to have partnerships for so long. Yeah. Um, Hopefully it means that they value the partnerships, but we certainly do. You know, we really like working with them. They're all like really chill as well we don't have sponsors like breathing down our neck saying you must do this and you must do that like it's it's yeah they've been great and really important for us
1: yeah so 10 years in a lot has changed i i, I don't think i went until about the second or third year but from then on like the vision that you had has clearly grown and morphed into this thing it feels much more like a resort and a huge amount of trails where do we go from here like I'm taking it. You're not done. You're not going to just sit back and be like, ah, right. By part finished. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I think,
3: um, yeah, it's just not in our DNA. Um, it's always about continual improvements. So we're always looking like right across the business from, you know, the food that's on offer to like the speed of the uplift to the trail network, obviously. Um, yeah. How, how can we do things better? Um, And that's something we discuss within our teams all the time. Um, And then we put, if they're bigger projects, then we have to obviously put those into a timeline, get the consents in place. So yeah, as we sit here today, we, you know, we're quite excited about what's to come. We've got um, most of our consents kind of in place to, to allow us to develop the site further. Okay, Um, Still a bit of work to do. Um, There are, you know, there are a lot of people, partners involved um, in, in, getting all the permissions in place but uh we're hoping to add in the very short future accommodation to our site
1: ah interesting so really going to resort levels yeah
3: yeah Yeah. and i i think yeah that's that's a massive change for us to go from locking the doors to having a 24-hour site where people can uh can choose to stay with us um and doing it in a way that feels like bike park wales as well so we've We've actually got like custom, bespoke-designed um, camping pods, okay. rather than sort of off-the-shelf glamping, yeah. that we feel fits like what we do, the brand, the site. Yeah. Um, and we've had a, a prototype pod made already. Yep. And that looks. Great, that's great. Yeah, so nice. yeah, we we can be excited about it now. Yeah.
2: I'm not that's calling cool. them pods anymore. They're too nice to be pods. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're right. lodges. <laughs> lodges. There we go. Yeah. Sounds better. How
1: how many people will you be able to have on site in the first sort? Of so phase we're going to build
2: it in a couple of phases, but yeah. um in the first phase, 44. Okay. Yeah. yeah. um So yeah, good a good number of people, and it's going to be really nice. It's going to be done really well. It's all been designed obviously around mountain bikers. So yeah. we've considered where you keep your bike and how you keep yourself clean and all that kind of stuff's all been thought through nice um so yeah that's been a big project i mean we've we've had that as part of the vision since day one yeah but we've been seriously working on it it's actually five years now we like a big project
3: (laughs) (laughs) like we said some things take time (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's difficult you know that like for us we we want to do everything yesterday yeah you know so it it can it can be a challenge but it's just having we've you know still got that aim of like we we feel like this site has got more to offer, we can make this better accommodation's a big part of that mm-hmm. um and then moving on to the hill, like obviously the trail network we want to keep expanding that, yeah, yeah, we've done quite a lot over ten years. we didn't have um a beginner trail at all, you know from the top of the hill um when we started out on this, and it was it was a big change for us to like bring that in because uh-huh. it, all of a sudden it changed the dynamic in the park you could have literally from beginners to expert level pro rider uh, downhillers um and i think going forward it's it's kind of more of the same on on that front on the trails um we've we can pretty much double the the footprint in the trail uh, the trail network Whoa. which i think Pretty amazing because uh, like even myself before I went on that journey of like trying to plot it all out, I was kind of wondering like where, where, where does this, <laughs> where do we run out of space? Where yeah. is there a point where it doesn't work? But no, it's amazing. We we will have over a hundred kilometers of trails, you know, probably if we were sat here in 10 years time. That's, that's,
1: that's what insane. What like. are you at in kilometers now, roughly? 50. 50. So double potentially.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not going to happen overnight. But, no, of course. Um, like it's
1: taken 10 years to get from yeah. 20 trails to 40 trails, roughly. But yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So that's yeah, it's that's super exciting. And then some work to the uplift road. That's going to happen fairly soon. That'll be exciting.
1: To make it kind of smoother, faster. More direct. Ah, so okay. actually
2: cutting a corner off the road and then yeah. excitingly developing two drop-off points. So mm-hmm. we currently have like a one and you have to pedal across to get to the south side. But yeah. again, this won't happen overnight. But at some point we're going to add a southern... Drop off, so okay. you can get to like fifty shades and terry 's belly and those trails over there without pedaling
3: across nice yeah, and that again that 's sort of touching on how we 've we 've always had these um, focal areas, but you know it takes time to deliver them, so we, we were able to bring the green trail in. Um, at a late, you know, that's probably midway through and we now want to bring some focus again to people on downhill bikes. Like I, I love, I still ride downhill, got a downhill bike and love it. And it's a slog, you know, <laughs> from when you get off to get across to where we got two of our current downhill tracks starting, it, it's quite hard work. Um, and we want to add more trails to that zone. So that'll okay. become like more of a hub. So the idea is having that secondary drop off. You know it it opens up for everyone but yeah. you know certainly people who want to come on downhill bikes which isn't a huge market but it's like it's really important to us it's part of what bike park wales is yeah um so yeah i'm quite excited about us having that second drop but yeah they, they
1: take a bit of time <laughs> but watch the space awesome and some land management changes right
2: yeah that's kind of the big one so um we lease the land off of the welsh government Mm -hmm. um and natural resources wales are the land manager so our kind of relationship is with them um and for the last 10 years um they've been allowed to fell trees within the bike park and sell the timber they haven't done much of it but they've been allowed to and it's been this constant um kind of kind of threat that it could happen at some point and the impact that it would have on the bike park would be really hard to manage and to be fair to them, they've known that it would be very impactful for us and tried to avoid it, but it's kind of just been like this polite loggerhead for, for 10 years of them kind of avoiding the problem, us kind of hoping it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So we approached them five years ago with a concept of how it could potentially be managed, and that was that in loose terms, you draw a line around the bike park, um, and that area of the forest is earmarked as a bike park, and it's managed for um, recreation for the bike park and to to enhance... Um, ecology in the area, and that there's no commercial felling in the forest there. It's a completely unique concept on natural resources Wales land. It's mm-hmm. never been done before, which is why it's taken five years to get it through <laughs> the process. But they they did kind of like the idea. Well, like is maybe stronger. They've come around to the idea. Come yeah. around to the yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And we're very close to having that finalized now. And it's it's taken a huge amount of work on both sides, like from Natural Resources Wales to try and get their operating model to accept it Um, and for us to work out what can and can't work for us. But it's a fundamental change. It gives us way more rights within the the bike park to develop the trails. But also I think Rowan and I are both equally excited about what we can do with the hill environmentally because – hillsides in Wales tend to be either clear felled and used for sheep grazing or covered
3: in fir trees. Yeah. And then clear felled. Yeah. 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 And that's typically, you know, that rotation that this forest would go through without a bike park here is, yeah, the, uh, the conifer trees grow for 30, 40, 50 years, clear felled and replanted. There there are other systems, but you know, that would be a big part of what would happen on this hill. Uh So, to think that like the presence of the bike park being here is actually like retaining all that tree cover. That's what that's what we're looking towards, is it it being protected and yeah. within that area. Um and then on top of that, increasing like the biodiversity. So we're gonna work together with NRW to um try and enhance the broadleaves within the area. Yeah, okay. So they'll the the native trees will yeah. be given precedent. Um, will there'll be works undertaken to to thin out around them, let them take hold. And yeah, I think it's a, it's a really nice part of this project now that we're actually able to have in a local level, you know, a positive environmental impact on it.
1: Yeah, that's super cool, right? Yeah,
2: and it's a really unique model. Like for Natural Resources Wales, they get an income from us. Yeah. So they yeah, they're not going to get to sell the trees, but they'll get an income from us, which will be more than the value of the trees. Plus they get to take the box of, you know, biodiversity, involving people in the forests. And yeah. and for us, it's amazing that our business and our community can support keeping this hillside um, alive and and it will evolve over the coming decades to be far better than it is now. And that's going to be a really unique opportunity to take a hillside like that and manage it in that way so that it will be quite unique in a couple of decades, the, the sort of um, variety of species that are found on that hill.
1: Nice work. And it's becoming a bit of a... A destination right it's people I, I keep hearing accents from all over the world these days when I come here which is pretty rare any riding destination in the UK it must be super rewarding not only like you say to feel the buzz in here at the end of a day but also to know that that buzz is it's not all just people you know from the UK is it
3: yeah definitely I think yeah something I feel really proud about I think we all collectively do is to think that like Myrtha Tidville is, it's not a a town that's had a good rep over the years and now we're attracting a lot of people they come and stay in Merthyr they spend in the area they're from all across the UK and abroad as you say yeah we prior to covid you'd hear accents from everywhere and now thankfully that that's coming back again yeah. um yeah and it's 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 a great it is a great success story to think you know all these people are coming and spending their time and money in in the South Wales valleys very yeah, that's cool.
2: that's been really great. And Rowan and I went to Medina in Tasmania three years ago, just before COVID, I think it was, um, to a conference over there and to to be presenting the story of Bike Park Wales in Tasmania <laughs> to have been invited there to tell the story and for people to know about Bike Park Wales in Tasmania was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's a sick bike park, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does look like it's a very, lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was watching the EWS there thinking it needs to great. be visited at yeah. some point. Good stuff. Well, it's been super interesting chatting to you guys. I'm excited to see what the next 10 years holds because you've made a lot of progress in the last 10. Um, Before we wrap up a couple of things, first off, I was going to ask, have you got any advice for people that are maybe looking to undertake a large project in the mountain bike world? Because, you know, there aren't many examples on this scale, I think. So I'm interested to hear what, given what you know now, like what advice would you offer to people that are Going to bite off potentially more than they can chew, but work out how to chew it over time.
2: I was going to say don't, but I won't say that. Won't say that.
1: It's building a team is is really important.
3: We we were very lucky, as I say we we started out discussing it together, um, and soon realised that our our partners at the time had really complementary skills that were between the four of us felt like we covered a lot of the areas okay. just, just just in the planning phases yeah obviously as soon as you get to operations it's completely different um so yeah i think that's really important like and never giving up is probably the biggest thing that we've that's learned. what i was gonna say Tenacity. it's, it, it's tenacity one yeah. foot in front of the other yeah you're going to get so many barriers yeah. hurdles you know things that it feels like it'll never happen and and you've just got to be going forwards one step at a time because we had to pick each other up so many times um, and still do, <laughs> um, yeah, with where things come out of left field and, 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 and yeah, it's, and it's tough. So it's, it's just, I think that's probably the simplest advice.
2: Yeah, I'd say exactly the same, tenacity. Just, um, yeah, we, we did have so many things that felt like complete showstoppers, you know, couldn't see a way through. Um, but yeah, luckily, because we had a team we just didn't give up. So that would be my advice is if you think your idea is good and just don't give up.
1: Nice. Good advice. If people want to find out more or book their visits, come to Bike Park Wales and have a play, where should they be looking?
2: So our website is the best place. So bikeparkwales.com um, and then Instagram, I think we're bikepark underscore Wales, Facebook, all the usual places
1: nice i shall stick links in the show notes people can find that but yeah thank you it's been a fun morning on the trails and lovely sitting down and having a chat and yeah like i say i'm excited to see how the next 10 years goes and maybe next time i come here i'll be staying in a lodge
0: (laughs) (laughs) thanks guys thanks chris
1: brilliant thanks a lot cheers
0: Alright, that's it for this episode with martin and rowan i really hope you've enjoyed it a massive thanks to trek bicycles and bike park wales for supporting this episode of the show if you're planning a visit to bike park wales then you can head to bikeparkwales.com to book your uplifts and check out the amazing trails they have to offer you can also hire yourself a trek slash session or rail for the day on their website also don't forget if you want to help support the podcast and the best way to do that is by heading over to patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast and setting up a donation that's patreon spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n i know times are tough for a lot of people right now so if that doesn't work for you then no worries but if you are able to support then it's much appreciated we've also got t-shirts sweatshirts and hoodies available over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop Make sure you're following the podcast by hitting that button in your podcast app now or by heading to downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. You can also get a bit of extra downtime by signing up to our newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. All right, that's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride.